other podcast. We have our second, after. another well, guest yeah. at 11.30. Hunter? Yeah, no, his brother. <laughs> um, your whole family. Are you a vegan in. or just Hunter? Just Hunter. <laughs> okay. Just Hunter. How do you say your last name? Wyand. Wyand. Cole yeah. Wyand. It's, Wyand. yeah, no, it's like I, maybe twice in my life I've met someone who's like, Cole Wyand? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, Wyand, why like, they, they. What nationality is it? Uh, and we're, we're live, not live. Yeah, we're live with no we're listeners. Live. We're, we're live. Uh, it's, we're, Ger- it's German. German. So uh, it used to be, I believe, like Wigand. Okay. Um, but I think that like my great 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 grandpa like killed somebody, had to skip town, and he changed a little changed bit. His name. Like got rid of the G. And yeah, I do miss the times where you can just kill somebody, change your name, and. You know what's funny though? People well, used to this guy people used to change their names often and and now people are very like against that. And sometimes I feel like a name should be changed. Like why? Like Jessica should be changed? Well, okay, for example, I'll 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 talk about my sister because her last name is is D Cook, but it's spelled Decock. Whoa, we're, we're gonna cut that. And out. I would, I would change the spelling of that name. You know, I would change it to Cook. C O O K. It makes it easier for everyone because every like, if she goes to like a dental office and they're like, uh, Mrs. D. Yeah, like, <laughs> like ninety nine. They're just like hoping somebody can just finish it for me. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like you know, people used to change their name. I mean, they drop the drop the ski, drop the, you know, add this, add that, make it easier to spell, pronounce. I totally, I totally agree with you. So I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a um, commercial net lease broker. So I do a lot of cold calling, a lot of prospecting and I come across names. Time where I'm just like, yeah. come on, man. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. If I have my database in front of me, yeah. but like, like, cause sometimes you look and it's like, you know, the, this isn't like someone's house where they just put their name on it. Like sometimes they use entities. Most of the time, these entities. They have an LLC. That's so yeah, and maybe they're like, you know what? Let me put like a joke of a name on here, like like. Are they doing a joke on purpose? Maybe. Well, I I mean I've seen some weird entities (laughs) like wheeling and dealing. Get out of here. Was like kind of like a little funny, and this guy's like wheeling and dealing one. I'm like. That was the that was the S Corp or the LLC. It was like an eight million dollar building. Okay. And it was owned by Wheelan and Dealer LLC. Wheelan and Dealer. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No. I'm like. I, I see some of those. I want to talk to this guy. This guy's cool. Yeah. <laughs> he is Wheelan and Dealing. I met Maybe someone. Maybe it was Wayland. No. Wayland and no. 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 Buff no. Wayland. It was like. Okay, wait. But I'm not saying you should change your name, you know, to suit me. That's not what I'm saying. I want to clarify. Like. It's I'm just not, like to the listener. If your name's like Dick Ritchie, it's like. Nah. Love it, or yeah. uh, like the last name Cox, yeah, C O X. Love that's, it. That's the one where it's like, <sighs> yeah. Well, I went to dental school with a um, guy named John Hurt, so Doctor Hurt, yeah, dentist. His last name is now Hurst. He changed. What is it? Called? Oh, like that's a, like a funeral. He just put an S in front of the T, so he goes by John Hurst. But his last name is Hurt. Wait, it what's was. a Hurst? Isn't that the thing that carries on the casket? That's yeah. a dr- Hurst. This is Hurst. Okay, but the association <laughs> yeah. was made. I feel like that's, that's bad. Is he an right. officer? Is he putting people to sleep? And no, also no. a funeral director? Yeah. No, he's just a GP, just general dentist. He's a general, general guy. But I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. We're off topic. So. Well, let's get going. Um, this is Cole <laughs> Wynewski, you said your last name? <laughs> Wynoski? Um, I, so, I didn't pay attention to the pronunciation. Wyand. 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 Okay. Um, like, why end this call? Why? Oh, why end? Did you say that to clients sometimes what do they say back they laugh they laugh they, 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 they think it's yeah it's a little bit chintzy you know it's not like, like it. every call like hey this is cool wine like wine but 
sometimes when they like really aren't getting it, I'm I just turn. I'm like, you know, fuck it. This is a joke now. It's like, Cole Wyand, like why end this call? And like, yeah. I okay, okay. Cool. And they're like, we're done. They're like, do not call us. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> so, um, you're a world traveler. Um, I know your mom. She shows me all the photos where you guys go. Yeah. You're a commercial <laughs> real estate agent. You're a stoic. You're into health. Uh, you're killing it. Um, that's a glowing review. Yeah. Can you just keep going? Yeah. I have, um, I have a whole list of positive attributes. We should talk about his hair for a second because you have really good hair. Can I tell me what you said when you walked in here? So Cole's bro- how old's your brother? He's 27. And you're 25. 25. Um, Cole walks in. He looks like his brother. He goes, I look like my brother, but I have better hair. <laughs> um, as someone, I have a receding hairline. Your brother does a little bit, yeah. but you do have better hair. And I think it's bullshit. I th- you, no, it's not bullshit. No, no, it's actually, it's very, he got the better beard. Oh, okay. I have a very oh, okay. like thin beard. His is like thick. Yeah. Like, he looks like, like if you wanted to, it could look like a fucking Viking. Yeah. yeah. Right. But then he's got, you know, he has to wear a hat, like a Viking <laughs> with a baseball cap. Whereas I'm one. just destined to like max out when I looks at looking like I'm 12 or 25. Yeah. yeah, but I think if I could have more hair or more beard, I go more hair. But you're also young, so it's going to, you know... Is your dad change. bald? I don't know your dad. Um, He's not like... He actually... I mean, he's 70... Let's see. He's 70... He's turning 75. Okay. Really? Yeah, he's he's a little older, and uh, he actually still has like a good amount of hair. Okay, then you'll have hair forever. Well, so Hunter started... His hairline started receding when he was like 22. Okay. So I'm just totally adding him. <laughs> um, right Hunter, we'll have our own podcast and we'll put down Cole the entire okay. time. Okay, he he will be all over that. We'll be like his beard is, is so not, weak. His beard game is cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I I I, I guess I, I am. I, I do have some diverse interests, right? Like, um, very fortunate. I have a mom who loves to travel. So, um, you know, she just, when she wants to go somewhere, she just kind of, she's like, Hey, do you want to go here? And I'm like, I want to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just saw a picture of you in Africa with your mom and a giraffe came in the window and ate your pancake. Um, yeah. 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 I never so seen that picture. It's, well, it's called, awesome. it's, it's in Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya and it's called uh, giraffe manor. And it's like a historical site from when, uh, uh, from like the colonial era. And um, yeah, they, it's a sanctuary in the city limits. It would be like having like, uh, I don't know, like Buffalo in New York City. And you go there and you can go. And I actually have a photo of me like kissing a giraffe because you, you can feed them with your tongue. Aww. We didn't tongue kiss, <laughs> but they tongue kiss me. They do. They yeah, do. yeah they're they have, you know, I got a nice photo of my mom. They have they, like, these black tongues yeah. like, this long, where it's like up along the side <laughs> oh, of her face. No. And she's, it's, it's, it's a great photo. But um, yeah, and actually more recently than that, we actually just got back from India. So Your mom did, did tell me that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we uh, my brother, he, you know, he married a German girl, very sweet girl. Um, but she is working on getting over here right now. So um, just when you're in that process, you can't come to the U.S. So this year we did Christmas uh, in France. Did your brother meet you there? Yeah. Okay. So we, yeah, he met us there with like our German side of the family. And then we, um, my mom and I, after that little part of the trip, we went to India for about 15, 16 days. We went, saw some cool cities, did a little bit of shopping, 
Um, saw some like forts, temples. Um, I saw some guys smoking something on the side of the road because I, I told them I'm like, we don't like to do just the kind of traveling that like we we want to just see the country. Yeah. We don't want to see like the tourist traps. Right. Just where do you go shopping? You saw them smoking, or you joined them smoking? We're, so we're we're. <laughs> I was, I was thinking about it, but then I asked the, the tour guide, I'm like, what are they smoking? She's like, I don't know. Yeah, smart yeah. move. And like, <laughs> I'm a bold guy, but when someone's like, I don't know what this is, do you want to put it in your body? I'm like, and, eh. and you're in a foreign country. Yeah. Like, that could go wrong. Smart move. Smart <laughs> yeah. move. Yeah. But no, so we're just like walking down the streets in Delhi, and they're like, yeah, so this is like where I buy my spices, and like, this is where I get my scarves. Oh, they're doing drugs right there. And so this, and I'm like, What's up? So like I look and it's just like in between two cars, there's these guys kind of like curled like around each other, like just fucking let's see like a lighter going off. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going. I'm just. Yeah. Going. yeah. Probably crack cocaine, um, but like an Indian so, version. Uh, something like that. Opium. Like yeah, they have just basing. like. Opi- yeah. yeah. Just free, like what is like freebasing? It's, hero- it's ju- heroin, isn't it? I think it's when you smoke heroin. I thought freebasing when you jump off like a building with a parachute on. Okay, so that's base jumping. Okay, no, no, so that's base <laughs> jumping, but there, there is something similar called freebasing. So I'm, I'm also actually a climber as well. Get the well, fuck out of here! And a Cole's sky, everything. And a skydiver. No, you're yeah. not. I am. You skydive? I have a skydiving license. Have you dived in the sky? I've jumped out of a plane 28 times. No, you wow. didn't. Wow. Mm-hmm. Where here or all um, over? Mostly in Jackson, but okay. also Jackson, Michigan. Yeah, there's one of the best skydiving facilities in the Midwest. Um, it's called, oh man, I'm totally forgetting the name, but I've done about 20 odd jumps there. A couple in Florida. Um, in, uh, I'm forgetting all these cities. Did a couple jumps in Boulder, Colorado, and a couple in Moab, Utah. Get out of here. Yeah. So you're 26 and you jump out of a plane 28 times. Yeah. I'm 35. I got out of my bed funny. I twisted my ankle. <laughs> a week. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, yeah. So I was in school. During the pandemic and, um, you know, wasn't really happy with what I was working on in life. I was, I was working on some other side businesses and I just decided, you know, I'm going to finish school. I called my, uh, or emailed my advisor and I said, how do I, how do I get out of here? I was already in my fifth year. This was, this was 2021. So it was just like, uh, we don't know when the pandemic's going to end. Yeah. Where were you? I was, I was, was, where were you in school? I went to Michigan. Okay. And I just said, you know, how do I. I just want to graduate. Like, what do I need to do to graduate? And he says, you have 22 credits left. So I emailed him back and I said, okay, I picked these classes. And I just want to do 28 credits. They're 22 credits. And he's like, you're not doing 22 credits. Like in one semester. In one semester. That's a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot. And I asked him, like, and, I, and I said, like, I'm not doing anything else with my life. I just moved home. I moved back home. And I said, all I'm going to do is school. Like, I, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to do school. If I have time at the end of the day, I'll play a little video games and wake up and do school again. Mm. It's like, all right, fine. Just to get it, it done. I, yeah, because I was like, I just, I, I want to be done. I don't want to have this be a six-year thing. Um, so I block out my schedule. And if I had an Excel sheet because I couldn't keep track of everything. So I literally had my days blocked out to the 15-minute from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. four days a week plus 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Fridays. And I was just either in school prepping for whatever class was next or doing homework that whole time. Is it like all online learning? Is that how you could do it at home? Yeah, yeah. So this was this was uh winter twenty one. Okay. So so just coming off of twenty twenty. And it was what a terrible all time remote. to be in college. I mean What a waste. Was I the know. tuition the same? 
Yeah. That's garbage. Yeah. And the professors weren't even like as serious. And I, I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like, y'all, I know this is tough. Like I had this one professor who just was getting real. It's like, I know this is tough. Like, I'm not really feeling this today. If you guys want to like work on this, just let me know. But we can take the day off. And everyone actually wanted, like, it was a really interesting class. It was a, right. I, I don't want to say the class. I don't want to out the professor, but uh, one of the most interesting classes I've taken and everyone loved him and loved the material. And I'm like, no, like we're, we all want to be here. Yeah. Um, but I got about two, three weeks into this semester where I, it's probably the hardest I've worked in my entire life. And because um, genuinely all I was doing was just wake up, school, about 6, 7 p.m. I'd be done. Um, and then I'd play Xbox for two hours, go to bed and repeat. No just, exercise? Nothing? Um, no, I was I was going for walks and I was also I was also um, like lifting and running in between. That's for me. That's a non-negotiable in, okay. in life. You have to if you're not exercising, if you're not like the bare minimum for me is drinking water. If you're not drinking water, you're not you're not living. If you're not exercising, you're not being productive. So those are non-negotiables for me. Um, but I guess I said that in kind of a confusing way. But um, I get about a weekend and my buddies called They're like, Hey, do you want to go and get our, do you want to come down, stay at my house in Florida and get a skydiving license with me and, and our other buddy? And I'm like, fuck no. And I, <laughs> and I, hang up. And I like, I'm like two, two more weeks go by and I'm like dying. Right. So I'm thinking, you know what, if I can have a vacation at the end of this, these guys said they'll wait till the end of the semester. They had both just graduated. If I, if they'll wait for me, and I get to go to Florida for free. Like, yeah, fuck it. I'll jump out of a plane. So I call him back, get down there, and I'm in the plane. So what you what you do, I won't get too into it, but with a skydiving license, what you do is you get you do your first tandem jump. And then like if you like it, you can take a class and then you start doing solo jumps. So, so tandem is with another person, right? You aren't even wearing a parachute. You're okay. just st- strapped at four points to somebody else. Okay. Just two dudes floating in the sky. Two dudes <laughs> hop out, floating through the sky. And or then a dude and a you. woman or two women, right? I, I <laughs> doubt you jumped be, out with a woman. It's at my size, a woman, <laughs> yeah. unless she was like an Amazon, right. wouldn't be able to. So it was another guy. It was a, yeah, it was another guy. He was Come actually on. a preacher. He was pretty cool. I always say that him or her. It, no, no, but no, but you're totally right. And actually I had, yeah. some, I had this really badass female instructor. She was, she was six. She actually ripped me off the plane. So uh, this, was, off, was, this was like my seventh or eighth jump. They pushed you off the like, plane. Like get out. No, so oh. on this type of plane, we were on a King Air. You can have, I think, 12 divers in there. And instead of, when, when you're a student, instead of just diving out of the plane, you actually hang on to the outside of the plane. And you're there for about 10 seconds. Wait, you're like under the plane, hanging like, on to it. Like, imagine, you know those little tiny planes, like one like or two Like there's a bar props. you're hanging on to with your hands? Yeah. And you're standing so, on a bar. Yeah. Are you doing pull-ups on this bar to impress the instructor? <laughs> I mean, she was she was pretty good looking. So, but I'm like, like I didn't, I was kind of scared and didn't really want to jump. You're hanging on for dear life. You're right? like, like, you're holding like this. You know, there's the tail of the planes back here. The wing is like five feet in front of you and the engine's way up there. And you're just holding on, looking down your, what, 15,000 feet in the air. And she just grabbed me because I was taking too long. And literally, she just held my harness and jumped herself. And just I just got pulled off the and plane. And she like threw you off the plane. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. So another skydiver told me once that it was a similar setup like that said every cell in your body is telling you not to let go. That's how skydiving is. Did you feel like that? 
Yeah. It's yeah. gotta so be. So the thing I really liked after I did that first tandem is that it was like the thing that scared me most in life. Like I've always been yeah. like deathly afraid of heights. And it honestly, the reason I like talking about it so much is I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm the coolest guy ever. It's like, this was a big lesson for me. I'm like overcoming um, artificial boundaries. Okay. Is that like literally you look out because once you start diving on your own, it's more than just like close your eyes, let someone push you. It becomes you do everything on your own. Right. So you have to stick your head before you jump every time out the window, out the door to look at the ground. Make sure you know what's below you, where you are. Mm -hmm. And how can you tell it? 15,000 feet. You can, you can see. You can see. Clear, okay. Yeah, clearly. It's far away. Everything's tiny. But they show you before you every time you go to a new drop zone. They show you aerials, and it's about the same perspective. Oh, okay. So they're like, all right, this is like these are the three landmarks you want to look for. The drop zones in between the three of them. Okay. Okay. So it's like, okay, there are the tanks, there's the lake, and there's this, and it's like, okay, cool, that's where I'm going. And then you see, and it, it'll be maybe the size of this little mark on the table, and but you can, you know, so you, you're you aiming can, for that spot. You just want to make sure that when you jump, you're kind of above it. Okay. Okay. So you have to. I bailed on one jump because I couldn't even see the ground and you weren't even really supposed to jump at that time. But too cloudy? Yeah, you too cloudy, yeah. And um, every time, until about your 15th or 16th jump, every time you jump, it's like, no. Everything in your... every Everything, every instinct, hundreds of thousands of years, of, of millions of years of instincts are telling you not to do this. Yeah. And you have to just say, you know what? I'm going to take that, compartmentalize it, set it aside... And I'm just going to fling myself out of this fucking plane. <laughs> and That's beyond crazy. that, you also have to maintain composure. Yeah. Because you have to, if you just jump out and close your eyes, you're going to start spinning all around in circles. Then you're out of control. Yeah. yeah you have to, what I like to do diving exits for me, they're just easier where you have to put one hand up, one hand down, jump forward, get this hand out to start rotating you and then bring your left hand out at the same time also fold your feet to your ass until you've leveled out and then straighten them out and you do that over the course of about three so seconds. you have to be pretty in shape to be a not spider. even not not even no not even like in shape you just have to have like muscle control okay so you just have to be able to basically like you can't have like a bad back and not be able to lean backwards right you when you're when you're falling flat in like movies and stuff, they kind of show people doing whatever you're, you're pretty much, it's called arching. You're just pointing your hips forward and you're kind of doing one like this. sort of. And that's all the way down. And then when do you know when to pull the parachute? Um, so I have an altimeter in my helmet and What's that, altimeter, uh, altimeter. Alt it's it just, it tells you what altitude you're at. So I have okay. one on my wrist. It's digital. It has lights that, that, you know, you, you program it that flash at different points. Um, you have a height that you pull at 6,000 feet. Typically, uh, you can go lower, but yeah. but you have to manually pull it yourself, right? There's just a little thing behind you. You grab it, throw it, and then that is a pilot chute that's about this big that comes out and that pulls the parachute out of your backpack. I've seen that. On, Are on you like video. more badass if you wait longer to pull the parachute? Um, there's pros and cons. 
you know, you well, can the be con other is like down. you die. Right? The con is you die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but no. So, you, I mean, you, I, I can talk about skydiving all day. Honestly. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the most fun things I've done in my life. I didn't do any jumps last year just because I was I was focused on working. Yeah. Um, but this year, you know, if I get some deals done, I'm, I'm planning on doing some more jumps. No way. Uh, possibly getting my own parachute. Even. What if you pull your parachute too early? Is that a concern, too? Um. With air traffic, yeah, like the only concern there is like a plane could hit you. Um, but typically, like, who's this fucking guy right here? Yeah, <laughs> but typically the biggest thing there is is fear. So to pull it too early or too late? No, no, no. Being up high because oh, you oh, it's more time in the air. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about falling, that. Falling through the air actually, once you've done it enough, it becomes the most relaxing thing in the world, oddly. Because nothing else in the world matters. Like you can't look at your phone. You can't talk to anybody. Yeah. Like, you, like you physically can't. It's not like you know it's supposed to. It's like you cannot talk to people. How, how long does it take to get from the plane to the ground? What's that? Uh, you, if you're the heavier you What's are, the interval. Yeah. I, I, the heavier you are, the faster you fall. Which doesn't. It, it kind of doesn't make sense. But the more, if you think about it, the, you know, yeah. from a theoretical point perspective, it doesn't make sense. But like I would fall faster than you. Yeah. Um. That makes sense. For though. me, yeah. it takes about fifty-five seconds okay. to get from. I think it's we're quick. jump. I, I forget if we're jumping at twelve thousand or fifteen thousand feet, but I think we're jumping at at fifteen thousand. It takes me about fifty-five seconds uh, to get to the height that I like to pull, which is forty-five hundred feet. So a little less than a mile. And then how far from forty-five hundred feet to uh, boots on the ground? Un- under canopy, about a minute and a half. So it's oh, about so the whole like, jump is like just under three minutes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you're falling for a minute. You said, and then you're like, and then you're parachuting, parachuting. for so it's a, a couple, a good couple of minutes. Yeah. Two, yeah. three minutes. But you can make that shorter or longer. You can spiral your way down. There's this okay. thing called reverse turns. So you, when you're flying, you have your, your toggles and you pull this one and you go right. Yeah. But it kind of flips you up. Right. Okay. So what you can do, it's called a reverse turn. You pull your right toggle and it kind of flips you over this way. Then you, as soon as that turn starts, you flip them, you reverse the what it does is it pendulums you up and you can actually get above your canopy oh. and you hold it like this and you'll just start spiraling down. So and that's you, good or that's bad? That sounds bad. It's probably uh, fun. It's, fun. It's, it's the most fun thing I've done in my entire life. Wait, yeah. is a canopy and a parachute the same thing? Yeah, you just colloquially refer it to, or actually I think it is called a canopy. Okay. And the whole apparatus is, is a, a parachute. The whole thing is a parachute. Okay. So, so what, um, what dangerous hobbies do you have? Sometimes I go to bed past 10. Because <laughs> I think I think like certain personalities, like so I scuba dive and what you were oh, saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm really into it. But what you were saying about like you can't use your phone, it's my number one favorite thing about scuba diving. But we're on like 45-minute dives, you know? Okay. If they're really deep, they're shorter. But I love that about it. It's like because my type A brain never stops, but when I'm underwater – I can't look at my phone. I can't talk to a person. I love it. It's like very yeah. meditative. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. the same and thing. Super relaxing. Like even though if you say to, you know, anyone skydiving is relaxing, they're like, this guy's out of his mind, but I get it. But, but scuba diving is honestly it. like probably more dangerous, right? Yeah. You think about it and you're like, oh, I'm 45 feet underwater. I think underwater. more people die scuba diving than skydiving. Scuba diving, it's a we're very gonna, tranquil. We're going to fact check that. I, right. No, I think I, 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 did, I did the math, actually. 
Um, cause my whole family, you know, I, I love my family. I can't imagine your mom was me. happy with this guy. Oh, they weren't, they weren't, they were not happy. With was, your yeah. brother, was your brother, was your brother skydive? No, no. no I wouldn't want my really. kids to skydive, would you? Fuck my, no, everyone no. in my family gave me a really hard time. So I, I dug into the statistics and what I came to the conclusion of is that on average, if you do 25 jumps per year, you only die once and <laughs> you can only die once. That's true. Um, and you drive a car. 10,000 miles per year. Oh, yeah, way more. You're about 30% more likely to die in a car crash. Wait, if you drive 10,000 times, which is 10,000 miles? If you drive 10,000 miles a year. Or jump 25 times a year. Per year. More likely to die in a car crash. Yeah, you're 30% more likely. 100% of the time. Yeah. (laughs) And this is true 60% of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 60% of the time, 100% of the time. I'm assuming you don't have kids. No. So no. if you, when you told your mom that, your mom said, I don't give a shit about any of that. <laughs> You're not jumping out of a plane. Yeah. Right. They're not calmer down. And I said, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> <But laughs> I'm also, out of here, mom. And, and my, my dad, he, sorry to cut yeah, you off. My okay. dad, he, he said the same thing. And, and, but he's like, I know I can't stop you, right? And, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, no. But when you have kids, that might change a little too. Because when you have kids, you minimize risk for yourself because we don't want to leave our kids here. Well, there's more on the line. Right. I don't want to leave my kids, you know, motherless because I decided to go, you know, 200 feet to a shipwreck. You know what I mean? It's like, but and that's the thing with scuba diving is that like you can, it looks like this tranquil experience, right? Where you're just kind of floating around and it's so dangerous. It gets dangerous because it's not like free diving where you take a breath, go down, you can go down as far as you want, come back up. If you go up quickly, Scuba diving, you die. Oh, yeah. Or you get the bends and then still probably And then die. you're in a chamber and then you have to be airlifted out of, you know. Yeah. But you're always somewhere really remote. You know, like I was in Belize. It was a two-hour boat ride to the dive site. Wow. So who's going to come get you? Nobody. Yeah. Our phones don't work. You're dead. You know. Yeah. It's, 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 that's it. Yeah. But. But I think about, you know, now that so, I have, I mean, I, I had kids when I started scuba diving, but I do, you know, there are some, you minimize your risk more yeah. i think don't you i totally agree yeah do you think on average you're risk adverse or risk tolerant is that the other term oh, i don't know um, yeah let's... i'm definitely more risk tolerant tolerant but um, that definitely makes sense in terms of your career and position and working because imagine you're all commission in yeah, commercial real yeah. estate so i don't i don't have um i'm a contractor i don't have any um i'm not an employee i don't have any benefits i don't have any any You're salary 1099 1099 mm-hmm. and it is definitely feast or famine so yeah the whole the whole risk thing it does definitely play into my career a little bit more where i i think the riskiest in in a sense the riskiest thing i've done in my life is is this job right because I could be building nothing. I could be wasting my time. I mean, thankfully, you know, I've, I've gotten very lucky. I've done a couple of deals. Um, started 13 months ago, 14 months ago. Um, and I've done two deals and I have another one closing in about a month. So, um, you know, I am starting to make a little bit of money, but for a long time I was just kind of risking it. All my other friends will go in and getting salary positions mm-hmm. and they're making, 60 90 150 grand a year and i'm six months into this job i've made three thousand calls and i haven't made a dime yep and i don't have any commissions even on the horizon yeah right you living at home at this time or um yeah yeah i'm still i am still living oh okay yeah i just i i don't know it's almost become like the cool thing for my generation i feel like is 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 living at home well it's smart i mean if you don't have a salary 
and you don't make money for three months, at least you can live with mom and dad and buffer the lack of cash flow. That that's part of it. At this point, I, I could afford to to get an apartment. Um, I if I were to get an apartment, I would have um, living expenses covered for twelve plus months. For um, from oh from your savings or yeah okay yeah. well well um, savings yeah and um, you know I, I ran a few businesses back in the day so I, I have a little bit saved up you okay know, I, I was told when I came into brokerage um, which I'm sure I, I I don't know how you entered the business but what I was told I interviewed at all the big firms and kind of the same consensus all around was um, you know you need to have your shit figured out for the next eighteen months because yeah. you're probably not going to make a dime yeah and you're going to make fifty calls a day and you know, first year you're going to make not shit. Second mm-hmm. year you're going to make basically not shit either. <laughs> Maybe by your third year you'll make enough to live off of. So when yeah. you heard that, what did you think to yourself? This is for me or I don't want to do this. But once you get, well, real estate also, just to add to what you're saying, I, you know, I left dentistry, which is a very solid paycheck, sold my practice, started my own business brokerage. So I was like, I am very risk You were tolerant. Like, you were all in. I was all in. But I know it's a hustle. But once, so it is like, a, you know, I've been doing this, what, five, six years now. I did have my second year, I had a, a huge deal. Okay. Big, really big. Green um, jacket? Yeah. Yeah. So I, luckily, because that got me through to the next, you know, you're like, there's really, it's, there's really a lot of famine in the beginning, but once you get over that. You get a little deal and then you yeah, get a kind of medium deal. Once you get deal. like three years in, then it's like. You know, then the your your network has grown. If you're if you're doing the work, if you're doing the hustle and you're networking and spending the money, I spent a ton of money marketing. Um, yeah. But after three years, then it's like okay, most people don't make it to that three that's, year mark. That's the thing. Is There's is a that, ton of attrition in real estate. Yeah, tons. In I mean, I, I I talk to guys, mm-hmm. and they, you know, I, I won't say which group they're with, but I talk to guys. Look, I don't know how people in this office make money. Yeah. And I look at what they do and I, and I see what they do and they'll be, they'll be fucking off for half the day and they're not, they're not doing anything to network. You know, yeah. it's not that they're not cold calling. You know, if you're not cold calling, then you should be out going to meetings or having lunch know. with somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Like I have someone, he doesn't really cold call. He does way more, but I mean, he's been doing it longer. He's about three years in, but he's been doing a lot more business than me because he's out at the country club golfing with somebody mm-hmm. or he's at lunch with somebody. You know, I take a different approach. I like to just hit the phones. I make between, you know, 50 and 100 calls a day. Um, that's just kind of how I like to prefer to generate business right now. Mm-hmm. But I'll talk to guys and they're like, I don't know how people make money in this business. And it's like, dude, you're just fucking around. You're not, you're not trying to work. You're just hanging you out with the guys. You have to get out. Yeah. So what motivated you to pick a job that was pure commission over a guaranteed salary? Um, I, I, I just, I wanted, you know, this sounds like it. You know, I just, I wanted more. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really, I, I, I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur in some regard. You know, when I was in college, I was running two different businesses. I was running a lime washing business, effectively a painting business. And, um, you know, I told you about this before the show. It was, it was that check that I got. It wasn't a big amount of money, but when I was, um, I was 19, I had just painted, I just finished my first job, my first, you know, contract and I got a check for $6,000. And when you're that age, you know, I mean, $6,000 is, is a lot, should be. A so lot a lot for me now. Yeah. 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 But when you're that age and you get a check for $6,000 and all your friends are telling you that they just had this internship or that internship and they're walking away from the summer with $1,500, 
and I'm in June and you know, June hasn't ended and I just got six after expenses, like it changes every how you think about everything mm-hmm. in the world. And all of a sudden it's it's very empowering. You realize, you know what, I can do this. I don't know if it's gonna be hard. And I think I probably in the three years I was doing that painting, I was probably averaging about 70, 80 hours a week working. But it just, to me, it didn't make sense to go from, um, you know, there was a point in time where I was making about $1,000 a day um, in in painting. And it's a seasonal business, so that only lasts for about two, three months. You know, it wasn't just like, wow. Are you doing yeah. the painting yourself or you hired people to do it? Um, both. I was both. I was doing the painting myself just because I um, I was working... Um, about half of my business was coming from, uh, my parents or their friends. So I wanted to be on the site monitoring all of the work. So when I was first doing this, it was me and one other person. By the end of it, I would typically have five people on site with me, um, with one or two that had worked with me a lot, knew what they were doing, and then they could kind of supervise other people. And that's when I started transitioning into more supervising, less painting. But at the, at the start of it, I was... Um, I was probably painting more than half the house myself. How'd you find these people to work for you? Other college students? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. And that's why I ended up transitioning out of it. It just wasn't really making sense. That's not super sustainable. Um, and you know, college kids, you need to pay them more to motivate them. And they're just not yeah. as hard of workers, manual laborers to begin with because they're, yeah. they're, they're in college. So just for a lot of reasons, I ended up getting out of that business. And Did I was you sell just, that business or just close the business. No, I, you know, because again, my dad helped me get it started and okay. I wanted to stop doing it, but he had clients that still wanted it. Okay. And I actually just kind of turned over the keys to, there wasn't much to sell really. Okay. There weren't a lot of assets in there and there, what I was doing like was kind of proprietary. I gave the non-proprietary stuff away. I still have the proprietary like formulas to myself, but like, did you buy these proprietary formulas? Did you create them? I developed formulas myself. Um, I was just, you know, lime washing. It's, it's the similar effect to painting, but it's totally different. It's almost more akin to masonry. And I was honestly just after, you know, I had formulas that I would, I would just kind of go online, do some research and, um, go to a brick wall and I would, you know, pull up my work truck, go to a a brick wall that, you know, one of my parents were a house that they were tearing down and I'd put 30 different samples up and I'd monitor it over, you know, one week, two weeks, one month and just see what worked best. What, uh, you know, information from online was the most accurate and that's, that's what I picked. So only lime washing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no one else offered it. it yeah. Only, if you look up I never m- heard of it. Michigan Lime Washing, I heard of it either. only I came up. So I could kind of set my prices. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was doing as well as I was. How did you know how to set prices? Did you first calculate your cost and say, I need to make this much money to make it worthwhile? Um, yeah, more or less. It was, it was what, yeah, what, what do I want to make on this job? What yeah. to me seems fair? Um, and yeah, then my material cost and labor costs. And honestly, the, the first job I got was, was taking over someone else's job. My, it was actually my dad's house. He was trying to have one of his contractors doing the work. Uh, the guy quit. I was interning for my dad at the time. The guy walked in when I was sitting in with my dad and he said, you know, Mr. Wine, I'm really sorry, but I can't do this. And my dad said, it's, it's, it's fine. No problem. And, um, the guy walks out and he's like, puts his head like fist down. He's like, your dad, my dad. Yeah, he's like, I don't. I have a, I have like a 
not a half painted house, but I have like a half painted house. It was right. he did two walls um, of the garage, and um, I said, "Oh, I'll do it." I just like I just stuck my hand up, you know. It, it, to, to me in that situation, like I don't, I it was just like instinct. It was like I'll do it, and he said, "Okay, it should take about three days." It took three weeks. Um, <laughs> one of the hardest things I ever did, and you know, I, I did that. and I was like, "Cool." I went to back to being an intern. I didn't really think much of it because I didn't know if there was much demand. I wasn't even I was nineteen. I wasn't thinking that way. And then, um, you know, he asked me a few weeks later to come on this site tour, and we're actually back at his house that I painted, and we're looking at it with a client. And, you know, he introduces me and he says, yeah, so, so-and-so, uh, this is my son, Cole. He's going to be painting your house in, in August. <laughs> he didn't know this. <laughs> I didn't know this. I'm like, dad, you didn't tell me any of this. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess I forgot. Um, that was, that, that next house I did was one of the hardest things I've done in my entire life. It was this massive house. I was way in over my head. I actually, I, I, you're supposed to put two to three coats hand brushed on. Um, I did seven. You paint the whole inside of the house or the outside? Uh, just the exterior brick. Okay. Oh, okay. You paint, you're painting the entire, the brick. You're taking this brick and you're making it like white. Was I it all people, exterior all painting ex- that you did? All, okay. I did a little bit of interior from time to time, but if you look up lime washing pictures. Yeah. Um, so what's the, what's the benefit of lime washing I, I can, versus painting? The benefit of lime washing is that when you're painting brick, you're just covering the brick. You're okay. not actually, you're basically putting like plastic wrap over your brick. Okay. Water is like the enemy of construction and water will get under there and it will it will start to um, like remove that bond okay. from from the, the paint to the brick. Yeah. And that's why paint starts peeling. That's why after about 10 years, you have to repaint brick. OK. Lime washing is totally different because what you're doing. You can look it up after if you want. Here, So I've got this right here. So this is kind of the before. OK. OK. And then this is after. Oh, okay. okay. So you Can like you send me those photos? I'll put in the show notes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Just remind me after. Yeah. So um, it lasts longer. It it so so when you're lime washing, it um, bonds chemically bonds okay. to the brick, and it's an actually uh, totally breathable material. Okay. Water, air passes right through it, and it's about ninety-seven percent breathable. It doesn't peel off because it's 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 a part of the brick. It actually erodes off. So okay. if you lime wash a house and, and touch it up, it if it's applied properly, should outlive you. I know that people painted their brick. Yeah. Oh, this is a thing. Huge. Yeah. Huge. If you drive around town, go around like any neighborhood, especially like Birmingham. Holy Name, mm-hmm. especially Court and Lake. Yeah. It's huge. And then during the pandemic, especially, it started picking up more. It was more of like a DIY thing. Really? People but, are like, oh, I got to paint these bricks. I'm going crazy. Well, so you have all these houses. <laughs> you have all these houses from like the 50s, <laughs> 60s. Yeah. All these brick developments. Yeah. They look a little dated. The best way to, to take that house and make it look very modern is, you know, paint it white. And change the windows so, to black. So right? lime. Yes. Wait, you can have black windows? <laughs> black frame windows. Those are like. Not like t- like the glass. I'm thinking black. like. No, the black, you know. The okay. Kind of like a 2002 Monte Carlo with tinted windows on it. I think I need I to paint my minute, house. Huh? I have a brick house with like yellow, you know. It's so. So can you only. So when you lime wash, it turns white. That's it. Um, actually, I did uh, my second and third year. I did start experimenting with metal oxides. Uh, changing the colors like gray um yeah the the darkest i could get was about as dark as your uh your um jacket there okay i was trying to get like black black kind of yeah. like a lululemon store downtown yeah um but just it's it's all pastel colors i'm okay. just imagining like you're in their basement like breaking bad 
and you're like trying to mix up these lime washes. <laughs> make, I, I kind of ma- feel like make it a garage, go- but actually, I was wearing a respirator. Well, good for you. Because yeah, lime because you're using uh, hydrated lime. If you breathe it in, it will melt your lungs. Really? So you can, yeah. If you breathe in too much of it, it will kill you. Wow. So you have to wear a fucking respirator. Oh my like, god! Like yeah. with got like it did look like like you go into the garage and it's like. Were you in your underwear in a trailer in New Mexico? <laughs> I was about, in whitey tights. Like are you worried about it getting like on your skin? I and... I did get a couple of chemical burns. Nothing permanent. Do you have all your hand, your fingers? I have all my fingers. Yeah. I have all my fingers. But okay. if it stays wet on, it, so that's why if it gets in your lungs, your lungs are a little bit wet inside. I, I believe. And, yeah. And that's why it can start burning you if it stays wet if it just gets wet and dries it turns into rock but yeah you're applying it with water constantly okay so your hand your, your hands everything's wet and you're wearing gloves but i got a, a hole one time in my glove right here on the knuckle just little tiny like that big hole yeah and by the end of the day there was like a square of skin missing wow it's a yeah it's it's very um basic okay. i believe which, yeah or, which can you know, burn you yeah. too yeah I'm thinking about chemistry. Like, Do you see yourself bed? going back to that at some point? Never. No. Okay. No. I actually, I mean, it's a really good way to make money. Um, I was actually just looking at a building with uh, my dad and his partner, who's one of their, um, who he was the site manager that I worked under a lot of times when I was working on um, Hunter Roberts Holmes houses. Okay. And, um, you know, so he was always yelling at me and he and I have a, he and I have a good relationship, but I'm, I'm talking, you know, my dad is looking at buying this building and I'm, and I'm talking to the agent and just really negative selling this deal. I mean, this guy took it, he took an, a building, got rid of half the tenants and now he's asking 20% more. Right. And it's like, and I'm just kind of explaining how the building is worth less now. And wait, you got rid of the tenants and did he, did the other tenants occupy more space or just got, he, he took a three story building okay. and uh, he wanted to occupy the whole thing himself. And with so, his business, I I don't I I forget I, I I don't want to say sure. because um but um he took it was multi tenant on the top floor single tenant in the middle floor and uh, another single tenant in the bottom floor got rid of the bottom guys got rid of the top guys he was working on getting out the middle guys decided he didn't want to put his business there put the building out for sale <laughs> after and he kicked everyone out after he kicked everybody out and on a performing asset like that the value is the cash flow yeah. right. Typically, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm it, it, it's not, oh, here's the value. Well, of you're the looking dirt. at the cap rate and it's, yeah. It, when, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, dude, if you want to evaluate on a cap rate, I can even go to a, even, even at a two cap, three cap, this is still worth less Mm-mm. than a fair cap was before you kicked all these guys out. Explain yeah. to the listeners and maybe me what a cap rate is. <laughs> a cap rate <laughs> is the expected rate of return on a building. Okay. So the one thing that's constant on a building is the cash flow when you're trying to make a deal, right? So let's say you just have a basic warehouse, 100,000 square feet, and the tenant is paying $5 per foot, and which means per year. So the tenant is paying $500,000 in rent per year. And let's say it's triple net, so there's no landlord expenses, tenant covers everything. That $500,000 is the one thing that's constant. So when you're evaluating the sale price of the building, you're going to look and say, okay, what yield am I looking for? So if you want a, a, a 10 cap on that building, a 10% rate of return, the building is worth $5 million. You're going to pay $5 million. If you want a five cap on the building, it's a $10 million building. 
Does that relationship make sense? Half the yield, yeah. half the rate of return means double the value of the building. What does cap mean? Or what does it uh, Capitalization rate. Okay. So it's effectively, it's the rate at which you will recapitalize. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have a 10 cap. Very important. You'll make, yeah. it's, it's the most important thing mm-hmm. in commercial real estate. If you have a 10 cap, you'll make your money back in 10 years. Oh, okay. If you have a five cap, you'll make it back in 20. Okay. If you have a one cap, you'll make it back in 100. And no one, the, the, so 12 months ago, there were deals selling at like three and a half, four caps mm-hmm. because money was effectively free. You could get like, you know, very cheap financing. There were tenants all over the place that needed space. Now everything's changed. Every, yeah. And so, Is there a lot more vacant spaces now? Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing that in... I in, am industrial. I'm I, I'm in industrial, okay. so I'm not it, industrial. Is still very strong. Yeah, um, I'm in smaller office buildings. So yes, because all the all the offices, you know, companies that used to occupy these buildings, a lot of those people work from home now. Yeah, yeah. or or they work from home half the time, so they cut their space in half. That's different. Yeah. But if you own a building or selling the building that Costco's in, like they're not working at home. Right. They're selling those right. buildings. So that like retail, um, retail's actually gotten stronger recently. And um, industrial is probably the star child of, mm-hmm. of um, commercial real estate. So right what are now. some companies that would be in industrial buildings? Um, manufacturers. There's, yeah, manufacturers, distributors. A lot of people need. Um, like big warehouses. So um, in terms of like in, in like credit tenants, tenants that are consi- that have um, a standard and poor's rating um, of like investment grade, where um, you can get very favorable financing terms. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, investors looking for those deals. Would be like FedEx, for example. They have S and P triple B rating, which is right at the bottom end of investment grade, but you'll still get really great financing terms. So if you're are in the S and P five hundred. Banks give you better rates. To- it's it's it, no. It's it's a so you have a we we each have a credit score, right? Given out by Equifax, TransUnion. Um, companies have a credit rating from Standard and Poor's, Standard and Poor's, and Moody's. Okay. So it's kind of the same thing as how credit worthy is this tenant? Are they investment grade or are they junk? And that's actually those are the two delineations. You only can fall into one category or unrated. Okay. Most companies in the world are unrated, but a lot of big companies, most S&P 500 companies um, do have a credit rating. But that being on the S&P 500 does not mean that you'll have a credit rating and not being on the S&P 500 doesn't mean you won't have a credit rating. Do you have any junk tenants? Um, yeah. So I'm selling a United Rentals right now in Houston. Um, it's S&P double B plus. So if they get upgraded at all, they'll be investment grade. And they're effectively, most people look at them as as investment grade just because they, they haven't gotten there. But if you look at their 30 year history, it's just, you know, operate, operate, operate. So this is new to me, but in your position in commercial real estate, you're looking for other people to invest in these buildings. Um, yeah. So a lot of our business is 1031 exchanges. What does that mean? It's a tax deferral exchange. So if you look at um, like when you sell an asset at a gain, you have a taxable event, you pay, you know, tax on that gain. If in commercial real estate, um, if you enter a 1031 exchange, when you sell the building, you actually put your money with an intermediary. You don't get the proceeds. And what you do, you have 45 days to identify a up to three replacement properties that are equal or greater value than the one you sold. And then from closing to closing, you have 180 days. 
So you have to, within 45 days of selling your building, identify a new one and um, buy a replacement. Who do you show the new one to? The government? The IRS? Um, the IRS. Yeah, you just say, hey, look, you know, this is what I sold. This yeah. is the intermediary I used. I never touched the money, as you can see. And here's the building that I bought. And if you spent the same amount or more than what you sold, you're good. So how quick is the IRS to say we approve or not approve this 1031 exchange? It's not, to the extent of my knowledge, it's not really like that. It's more just, they, they just look at if the money was spent or not. So I could buy a building that's worth a million bucks for $3 million, right? It, it's It's more difficult to evaluate the pricing of commercial real estate just because it is based more on financials like a house it's just what what are the what are the right. comps right, right. It, it's it's you know this house is this size and this one sold for that much or a bit, and, like similarly a building that's owner occupied yeah that you don't really care about you know the income because you're rent. yeah like if you were the only tenant in this building and you're buying it for yourself that's a different purchase than yeah if you're buying a building that you're counting on tenants to bring in the income yeah, and then you you basically trade up. That's a 1031 exchange. This sounds like you're trading to a yeah. bigger. Right. So it's it's typically what Without you want to do is you no you it's, it's it's reducing slippage essentially. You want to take capital and reposition it either into a better building, better area, uh, longer lease term because a lot of this is oh I have a five year lease term I want eight years, and you go into a different building or I'm in middle of buttfuck nowhere and I want to move to uh, downtown Austin. For example, and and I want to I want to take this these these little buildings. I want to put them all into one thing that I can pass on easily. Pass um, on to what? Your kids. Okay. A, a lot of a lot of this, um, you know, real estate's a really good method for transferring wealth to further generations because it creates um, ongoing income. Okay. And if you are getting into higher end buildings, they're typically easier to manage. So you can take your your kid that you know maybe isn't as interested in real estate, um, and you can give them an income producing asset that will preserve the, the the wealth that you created. Why are higher end buildings easier to manage? A um, couple of things. It's you know if you have a small tenant in the middle of nowhere, if they may go bankrupt. They're you know they they may not take care of the building. If it goes vacant, you know, is the market strong? How quickly will you find a tenant? If you have a, you know, if you have a distribution center in, like an Amazon distribution center in Austin, Texas, it's going to be one of the best buildings in the country, um, you know, that any tenant would die to be in. And you have a company like Amazon that is very secure. They have a credit rating almost as strong as the United States government. So they're going to pay their bills, and if they decide to leave, you know that you're in an area that's strong, that's going to be easy to backfill, with backfill meaning just put in a replacement tenant, and that replacement tenant is still probably going to take care of most of the building themselves. Okay. How does the government have a good credit rating if they're like $20 trillion in debt? Uh, it's just, you know, how well know, do you pay how, those debts? Because they do the credit rating. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, so actually, so actually, America used to have a triple A rating. They were downgraded in 2007. By who? Themselves? It's right. not. It's well, Moody's is technically a. Uh, it is technically a private organization. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, well, so is the Federal Reserve. It's like right. when the Princeton but, Review comes out and like Princeton's the best college, but like right. they did the review. 
Yeah, voted number one by our staff. By our staff. Yeah, There's actually but... a dentist that has a billboard. This is best dentist in Michigan. Asterisk mark, voted by my staff. Really small. Dude, yeah. really? You're a loser. <laughs> I'm the best dentist in Michigan. Yeah, by your staff. So <laughs> does it make you nervous when you're going to work and it's feast or famine and you got like five months of famine ahead of you? What goes um, through your mind? Like, I got to make another deal. I got to make more calls. Yeah, it, it's motivating, honestly. And that's why I think that I'm a good fit for this, you know, because I, I, I make sure that I have my bases, my, my bases covered, right? Where what do you mean bases covered? Um, you know, I want to make sure that I am in the best mental, physical, spiritual shape every day. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm exercising, that I'm mentally healthy. I want to make sure I'm getting all of the vitamins I need. You know, I'm big into health. And um, I just... You know, I, I don't really get nervous as, as much as I just get motivated to know that, you know, it is a matter of time. You know, I, I have the savings I need to get, you know, months down the road. Yeah. Um, it may not be the most comfortable living. You know, I, I may not be able to, you know, go out, have fun with my friends, go drink on the weekends, whatever. But that stuff I don't care about as much. I'm more just looking and saying, you know what, if I keep doing this, it's worked before. Um and it, it, I, I, if, if it's worked before, it's going to work in the future. But it is a lot of kind of walking around in a dark room with a candle. And it's just mm-hmm. like, when am I going to find something? Yeah. Right. But also it, the it was, people you meet and talk to, they might be your deal two years from now. So it, you're it's always the long game. networking. Yeah. It, is the long, it is the long game. And that's the other thing is, that, is I mean, seeing in my experience. older brokers like yourself who have. You're older. More experience. Cole, you got her. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. We set you up. I have Ooh. a very I mean, I have a very small niche, you know, but um but I use my my dental network of twenty years plus. That those were my initial connections. And through that network, I've gotten, you know, now I do like investment properties for people. Has nothing to do with dentistry or, or medical, but but I started with that group of people and then it snowballs and it, it branches out as, as you probably know. That's kind of what I'm, what I'm yeah. just getting into now is that's, like, that's the best. Oh, you sold this building for me and they call you back and they're like, Hey, you know, I have this building actually I want to sell. Yeah. And that's just what I'm starting to get to now. Mm-hmm. I'm but... selling it the same building for a second time really in Birmingham. Yeah. Okay. Same exact building. And I'm, you know, I sold it to the person and a year and a half later I'm selling it for them. Yeah. And they have, you know, both parties have referred me to other people just for commercial real estate deals. Yeah, yeah. But that was a that was a a, a cold call, and that, initially, really, yeah. So that that's what was attractive to me mm-hmm. was that you do get to build up this network. That's no well, the earning potential is so high too. That's the other. I thing, love that. that. You you do have yeah. brokers who are making, you know, well into the the seven figures. There's no cap. Really, I mean, yeah, it's it's you can you you could theoretically make a hundred million dollars. Yeah, is it, is it are you going to no? But could you make a million bucks in a year? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Could you do that in your in your early twenty or mid twenties? I know a guy that did. You could make a million dollars this year. You. Yeah. You just don't know yet. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I'm working on a distribution center in a high, you know, a, a mm-hmm. growth MSA that would net me a, you know couple hundred thousand dollars yep. and you know that's, or that's or zero <laughs> or zero yeah i mean right now it's looking like zero yeah but yeah. that's that's the attractive thing is, is i got in and i knew you know what they just kind of to get back to what you're asking earlier is i i know that there is going to be 
a payday sometime. Yeah. I don't know if it's in a month. I don't know if it's in a year. I don't know if it's in 10 years. But I know that with this job, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm looking at these guys that are, and and, and girls that are more successful than I am. And um, (laughs) the girls aren't. (laughs) (laughs) And And I know that, you know, I'll be there someday. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but it was, it was tough. You know, now it's like, yeah, I have this system. I think it's working well and, and it's starting to pay off. But you know, the first six months, um, there were a lot of days where I would have like a fucking existential crisis every day. Because you want to, oh, it's sure. like for me, I remember my, it was like my first two years really. It was like, I want to work so bad, but I can't get the work. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like coming into your dental office and you're ready to go. You That's know? what it was like for me two you years ago. Great night's sleep. You yeah. come in. There's no patience in the schedule. That's It's the same feeling. Same thing. And then as you, but as you get into this, you know, we're in similar professions. The jobs come easier. I mean, now it's like I was out to dinner one night. I bumped into a doctor friend and, you know, two weeks later we're having a meeting. I'm selling the practice. That's just me going to get food. Um, it's not, it's not the hustle. You know, I still hustle. I still sponsor events and I speak and I do all these things, but But sometimes the the deal, sometimes the deals come, come easier. Right. And that's, and, and and they should, you Mm -hmm. know, because you shouldn't be handed anything. Well, they've heard of you or you did a deal for their friend or, you know, whatever, however it works out. But, um, but yeah, in the beginning, it's so, I can see why a lot of people leave. I mean, when I started at my real estate office, and I went in doing commercial mm-hmm. for a residential company. So they were like, who, who are you? But I went in with like 10 other people. You know, they, you all start together. And I think there's three of us left. Five years ago? Yeah. About yeah. five. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. 2018 is, or 17. Yeah. Is, is I would have these like existential crises where it's like, have I wasted the last six months of my life? Right. Did I, did I fuck up by? I could be working for... I I I, 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 I yeah. could because I got a general studies degree. I don't really have like I, I I have a degree, but it's not like a special. It's not a real degree in in a sense. And yeah, I'll fucking put down people with a general studies degree. It's not a fucking real. Degree. <laughs> All right. I studied like poetry and shit. Um, I, I was doing computer science and this and that, but. Um, Who's your favorite poet? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what Edgar Allan Poe is the only, <laughs> only poet I know. Um, I'm a little bit basic. I like more like the Robert Frost. You know, okay. I've heard of him, but um, I um, it's like I I, I think to myself like you know I I'm gonna just graduate as fast as I can at this point. I'm not gonna yeah. get a specialized degree. I'm not gonna get a job. I'm going to figure something out. That thing ended up being real estate, which I think was a really good fit for me. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be six months in, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's cold out. It's, you know, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm getting to the office when it's dark. I'm leaving when it's dark. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the sun in a week, you know, aside from deliberately going out on walks in the middle of the day, just to get enough sun to not fucking put a bullet in To my not head. get rickets from lack of yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, have I, am, am I going to have to backtrack three years? Am I gonna have to go back to school? Like, what what do I do if I don't keep? But you know what? I think I think we always have those. It, it doesn't matter, you know, how old you are. I I still have those thoughts. Like, you know, I still think, okay, what if I would have kept my dental office, opened three more locations? Like, you know, what if, what if, what if? That's just. I think that's the entrepreneur brain at I work. Do. Yeah, because we're all we're always gonna question ourselves, and you always should. Yeah. You know, and and I'm I'm 47, and I feel like at this point. 
I'm really happy with what I'm doing now, but is it going to change and, and kind of morph over the next 10 years? Yeah. I mm. mean, absolutely. Now there's private equity companies and, and I'm dealing with those people and, and it's fun, yeah. but it's like, I don't know. I don't think we should ever get too comfortable because I think there's always opportunity. And if you don't see it, it just kind of passes you by. Right. I agree. And I also think too, Cole, from your perspective, it's more risky to work for somebody long-term than do your own thing. Cause you made a comment where you said like, did I, I so. not build anything you're building? It's invisible now. It's a network, but you're building something now that's yours. And like, you're not building yeah. it for somebody else. Yeah. And I'm going to brag about Cole for one second here before we got on the show. Cole told me he made a decision to be honest with a client lost six figures, but that type of honesty and integrity that you're building now mm -hmm. will pay you dividends five, 10, 15 years from now. So I, I know you said you're risk tolerant. I really think you're taking less risk on by being an honest, hardworking entrepreneur than working for some schmuck. That's, and that's how I like to, that's how I like to look at it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, maybe I could have gone to Ross. And maybe I could have gone to Wall Street. Maybe I could have been making 150 my first year, and then plus 50 with a bonus, and then on and on and on. Five, ten mm -hmm. years in, I'm making 500,000 a year. But then one day, one guy makes one decision, and I'm out of a job. 100. percent And what do you do from there? Go home, live for right. someone else to hire yeah. you. Exactly. Then, then you have no leverage, and you're just hoping. You have no, le you can't do anything. You're just hoping that someone picks you up. Yeah. Whereas exactly, that's the thing that being an entrepreneur is like, I want to make my own future. For right. sure. And even if it isn't worth anything, even if it sucks, I mean, I know it's not going to. I'm just, I'm confident in myself. Well, you're going to work really hard too. That's another thing. Because like, there's no you safety have to, net. You have yeah. to enjoy yeah. working yeah. too. That you was do. the one thing is that like, yeah, when I was painting, Painting taught me a lot of lessons. And and I was also mining Ethereum and Bitcoin at the same time, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, Did you have, what was that? What was the coin that just went down? Uh, the FTX guy. No, no I, <laughs> was, I was done with crypto at that point. I was, I was actually, I was mining back in um, like 16, 17 on to about 2019. Okay. Um, but I was like operating a little server farm of like computers that me and my electrical engineer buddy like built. Which, like we're custom building computers to mine these. So I was doing that. I was in school and I was painting houses. And the thing that I enjoyed the most about my life at that time was when I was working on those things. It was the, you know, no bullshit being in the middle of the of an industrial park until two in the morning because this fucking computer wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And computers aren't like cars or this or that where you can kind of see what's wrong with it. It's just like eh, not working. Why not? Because well, I'm not working. And it's very frustrating trying to figure out those issues, especially when you're in like such uncharted territory like crypto in 2017 or lime washing when there's no one else that does it. Right. And those were the things was like pushing yourself kind of like skydiving and just seeing like, like how far can I take this puppy? Yeah. This puppy being like, like me, like what, what can I do with this? Yeah. Um, well the build is, is rewarding too. Like I, I like, I like building things, businesses. Actually, know? there is research on that, that you're more happy building it than when it's done. Yeah, because, well, yeah. I, I feel like it'll never be done. Yeah. I just feel like that, you know, looking back, you know, think about think about a really good movie. You know, those movies where it's like the person starts from nothing and then you watch them go through this whole process and then they get there and the movie's over. But the best part of the movie is right when they like, 
you know, it's like the make or break points. It's like that first little bit of success. That's like, you get the chills, you know, yeah, that's such, yeah, that's a yeah. best feeling. Like I remember when I closed my first deal, I was sitting in this room and I was getting, I was getting a big check and, um, I'm trying to be cool. And I just wanted to like run outside and like, ah, it's, it's like electric. It's like, it's like the best feeling so in the great. world. Yeah. Nothing, nothing compares to But that. if I, if I calculated what I was paid an hour for that deal, dog because shit. I was so yeah. obsessed with it, it was like minimum wage, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe but dog shit and 25 cents. Because yeah, not to mention a, a, you know, a dental school doctorate degree and all these other things that led to that. But it was like, it was more rewarding than, any, then when I sold my practice myself, like, and that was way more money, but it was just like, oh my but it God, was like, I did this. I did this. Yeah. yeah. So, so last year I had to close two deals. It was my first year of brokerage. I closed two deals, which that alone I'm, I'm very proud of. Yeah. Because again, most brokers don't close anything. Right. And, and you're closing big deals too, probably. It was a $7.3 million Walgreens okay. in Youngsville, Louisiana. Never been to Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a, um, a, hundred and some hundred odd thousand square foot warehouse in Bristol, Virginia, which is kind of, uh, middle of nowhere in Virginia. I've never been to that part of Virginia. <laughs> um, but that's the beauty of, of this business. Yeah. Um, I do actually need to get down to Bristol at some point, but I made on those two deals, $44,400, mm-hmm. which, you know, to me was, an, an, an inexplicable amount of money. Cause yeah. I, I know that even had I gone and gotten the job, like you said, working for someone else, I could have made two, maybe three times that oh, for my sure. first year out of school. Yeah. But I made it. Exactly. Yeah. I found the clients. I found the buyers. I found the sellers. I put the deals together and no one can take that away from me. Yeah. Yeah. No one can. T- I, I have the skills to do it again. And nobody took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody took. A, can take away from you what you learned that you'll do again now. Right. And that's the thing. That's probably the most difficult thing I think about being in your late teens, early twenties, is developing those skills. And and I still say this to myself, like today, like I was saying this to myself last week. It's like I want the learning to be over. I want the money to come. Mm-hmm. But you'll be learning the rest of your life. You are. But you but it's to. It, but but yeah. but to get a, a way like not saying that what you're saying is a platitude, but it is very easy to make um to 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 make platitudes about this type of thing, and it's not even about like yeah, if you aren't learning every day, I think you're failing. That's it may be a very stark attitude, but uh, what I'm more talking about is that there, at least from what I've seen, is there's a distinct difference in most people's lives between the learning phase and the earning phase. Okay. Right. Where you're both still learning a lot, but you're also both now making money. Whereas I'm kind of right at that inflection point where, yeah, I'm going to be learning as much or more a year from now, but also hopefully a year from now, I'll be making a lot more than I did last year. Right. Well, I right. think the two should just go, you know, together. Cause I, especially in real estate, well, dentistry too. I mean, you're always learning. There's always something new to learn. But I think what you're um, talking about, not to cut you off, uh, that book by Stephen Pressfield is up here. He calls that going pro. Like right now, maybe you feel like you're like an amateur. I'm not calling you an amateur, but like in your real estate career, you're considered an amateur. Do you think it's a state of mind? Well, it's, but it's also a state of results you're getting. Okay. Because let's say. Because I think some people think of themselves as like, that was a hard, that was hard for me. Yeah. Like maybe you too. Are you like, 
you know, I'm a business broker. To go from I'm a dentist to I'm a business broker, that took some time. But and going, that was my own problem. But I, I think it's both. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I I totally agree with like, what, what you're saying. Like, what do you call yourself now if I say, what do you do? Like, I'm, a, I'm an investment broker. Okay. You know, commercial Ooh, investment that broker. That sounds yeah. good. So did it take you a long time to, to say that? Um, or were you just to like, To say okay, it? No. Or just to feel it? To believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's the difference. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I closed my second deal, I got a call from the client. Um, this was my first listing that I closed. The other was off market, and I the client still doesn't know this. Yeah. Um, they, I'm going to be ambiguous, they called me, and uh, pretty much for five minutes, we're just, you know, no bullshit saying, you know, you did a phenomenal job yeah. closing this deal. And they didn't know that it was my first deal I closed. They said that was seamless. You know, you, you kill. I have kind of an excerpt that I typed out. That's funny. And after that, that's when I got that call and I realized, you know what? Yeah, I, I am a broker. This was this was results. And, yeah. and I'm more yeah. talking about it right now because I, I totally agree with the mindset thing. But I'm more I think what's more applicable to people my age is the results. Yeah. Is yeah. that you can, you know, kind of fake it till you make it and say things and, you know, getting that mindset change is huge. But it's. It's it's getting the results. It's getting that six thousand dollar check, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to figure out how to make money, and then, you know, you're doing all this, and you're running around, and then it's like you get that first check, and it's like, okay, you get the confidence too. That's a start, and that yeah. and that helps. Yeah, and it helps. Mm-hmm. That result kind of changes your mindset, and it starts building up, and it's kind of a transition. But you go from learning all of these skills, spending the first. 15 20 25 for some people the first 35 years of your life developing skills Mm -hmm. and then you start to reap the rewards yeah and it's in the thing that's i think most difficult about being an entrepreneur is just believing in that you know i think that one of the most distinct differences between my brother who's you know hell of a lot smarter than me he's uh going to be an attorney soon he's at georgetown law right now and um you know, he's going to do well as an attorney. And um, I don't think that I could do what he's doing. And I don't think that he could do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that I would... First of all, I don't think that I could be an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are crazy. My brother's insane. But um, kind of what you said is that guaranteed upfront payment that scales over time versus the unknown, what is it going to be down the road? I, I'm going to, I'm going to gamble on that one. You know, mm-hmm. I like, I'll call myself a gambler. I don't go to the casino. Um, you know, I play a, around a, a little bit with like, you know, a little bit of like online betting, very minor, like five, 10 bucks. But I'd say I'm a gambler more than most people because I gamble with my time every day. I think as an entrepreneur, we're all risk. Would you say risk? Uh, tolerance. tolerance. Yeah, we are. Cause it, it's risky. Well, it's, it's also how you identify risk too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, well, I study paycheck, I think is less, well, it is less risky and it isn't. I think a study right. paycheck is like a drug. But um, I do think you could be a lawyer because you're smart. It's just, that's not your passion. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah, you could do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got to cut this though. We got to have a part really? two. <gasps> Dude, um, we got to bring you back. Will you come back? Um, I would love to come back. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, awesome. I, I, th- I feel like we're just getting started. Honestly. We are. Yeah. You got to come back. Um, we always end the podcast like one thing. I know we talked before this show, you're 25 now, talking to 21-year-old Cole. What's one piece of advice you'd give to anyone trying to decide between a salary position 
or an entrepreneur? Oh, I thought that was it was going to be a little bit different of a question. I think it's, um, I think honestly is is assessing what you want out of life. Don't look at what other people expect you to make. Just sit down and and assume that the friends you have now you're not going to have. Right. Think about what you're going to be doing when you're 60 or 70. Is the path like are the things you want now going to be things that you cared about having you know i'm not saying i love cars i don't think there's anything wrong with having a ferrari i think that those are great but are you getting the ferrari because you and your three boys want it and think they're cool or are you getting it are you trying to get that because you want it right and if you want you just have to decide what you want out of life and what is going to be rewarding not what is going to make other people like you more and um, from that perspective, you then have to kind of assess what you want out of life, what you your current position. This is kind of into that Marcus Aurelius stoicism thing. You have to really take an objective look at what your life looks like right now and decide what makes sense. What is going to get you what you want out of life long term? You know, you can't be thinking two, three years. You have to be thinking 10, 20. And... Um, what do you want to get out of life and, and what's going to get you there in a way that's going to be rewarding along the way? Are you, is, is grinding for someone else making 150, then 160, 170 until you eventually have that Ferrari, is that going to be rewarding or is potentially never having that nice car, but expanding yourself as a person, is that going to be more rewarding? Is that journey going to be more rewarding? So yeah. I know I kind of just said two different things, but folk, like what, what journey is going to be most meaningful? And then the other thing is also focus on your health now because it will pay dividends in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, just for like sure. Just like investing now, drinking a lot of water. Most people are like, you. I'm, I always have like a bottle of water with me. You know, I think what 70% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have no idea. I think Mo- like a hundred. Bot- I, I, I think there's a, I always say this, there's a distinct difference between uh, there's, there's two phases in life when you, uh, the part of your life where you're not drinking enough water and then the good part of your life. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, pound water. Yeah. Take some multivitamins and work out. And, um, yeah, that will set you up for more success than any other advice. Could give I you. agree. Yeah. Work out, work out every day for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, 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 and again, one push up. you know, if, even the most basic mathematicians. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. One push up is infinitely more than zero. Yeah. Oh, that's deep. That's great. Good. Anything to add? <laughs> no, no. You know, I want you to plug um, your business, though, your professional self. Yeah. So I'm with the Jonah Group. We're a part of Collier's International. Um, we were just recognized as the number one listing broker in the country by Cornet and uh, Crexy. Crexy's the number one listing platform in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, check us out www.jonagroup.com. That's J O N N A group.com. Nice. Right. Now give us your credit card and Social Security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to have you back on. We're actually we're booked until like June of this year. I'll be here. But dead I, serious. I had I'm going to great time. I'm going to text you yeah. after today. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. No, um, I had a great time. Would you come on? Because I have another mic set up with your brother. Oh, I don't know if you want that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. I, yeah, I would love to do that. I think okay. that would be great. That'd be fun. All right. Yeah. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. All right.